0: Hey, everyone.
1: Before you check out the new Game of Owns episode that you're about to listen to, you should check out our new podcast. It's called It Really Makes You Think.
0: Uh, we don't have a. It's of. You can find us at itreallymakesyouthink.com. We don't really have a swaggy tagline. <laughs> I don't know what to say. We're making an ad for our own show. We're making an ad for our own show about a different show. <laughs> Okay, we had to be it has to be short, sweet, and to the point. All you
1: have to do is look up It Really Makes You Think on any Podcast Player or go to ReallyMakesYouThink.com, which will take you to our YouTube page because it is a video podcast.
0: It's we're having a lot of fun doing it.
1: We're doing it on video. So I mean (laughs) Buckle up. Through the gloom of night, the dead men flew, raining down upon the city streets. The riper corpses would fall to pieces in the air and burst when they came smashing down onto the bricks, scattering worms and maggots and worse things. Others would bounce against the sides of pyramids and towers, leaving smears of blood and gore to mark the places where they'd struck.
0: Huge as they were, the Yankish trebuchets did not have the range to throw their grisly burdens deep into the city. Most of the dead were landing just inside the walls or slamming off barbicans, parapets, or defensive towers. With the Six Sisters arrayed in a rough crescent around Marine, every part of the city was being struck, save only the river districts to the north.
1: Welcome to the podcast, everyone.
0: Welcome to the Winds of Winter.
1: One of the best chapter openings I've read. What about you?
0: It's pretty good. George R. R. Martin is good at this kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like like he's I feel like he's really really good about these opening paragraphs and opening lines. Really setting the vibe
1: here. Reading this chapter Barrison 1, it felt like um I don't know if it was just the the whiteness of the the ebook I was reading it off of, just the christmas the detail of the of the t- the text or if it was the mathematical perfection of seemingly what Barrison 1 ended up becoming now in my th- Third reread before the podcast today. It just seemed like aha, everything has led to this. This all makes sense, at least for this window inside of Barrison's life. We didn't get a full account of the second chapter. I mean, what would we call it? What's the official? They call it just a fan. Everyone's calling it a fan account of the, <laughs> a fan beholding of the fan. Yeah, reading. or like
0: a fans a fan summary because yeah. there's no transcript, so it's just like a fan. Summary.
1: I wonder why someone didn't turn the voice memo app on their phone when that was happening. Uh, I don't know. I don't
0: know when. What? What year was it?
1: I think it was in 2013. But
0: there might be some rules around that. I don't know. I wasn't there, so I couldn't tell you. But if you're sitting in the audience and George R. Martin's like, "I'm about to be reading something," I feel like my brain would be going a million places. Oh, but. definitely.
1: That's why I would be suspicious. That's the second Barristan Selmy chapter that we've gotten released so far, and he did both Barristan chapters at Boscon. both Barristan chapter readings he did at Boscon. So mm-hmm. there's probably a recording of it somewhere, but it's probably someone who's close to the, the sci-fi and fantasy community and is getting some sort of sick pleasure af- <laughs> off of having it recorded <laughs> yeah. and not releasing it to people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I respect that's that person. Kind of if that's what <laughs> yeah. the deal is. The, the fan account was really detailed and it, uh, carried emotion in the right places, which I found to be a little bit, I was like, this is interesting. The, uh, specifically the description of the spears and the way Mm -hmm. that they were set and a perfect formation. I've been waiting for a fantasy story, whether it's a TV show, a movie. It used to only be movies, but now I can say whether it's a TV show doing it or whether a book or movies, a formation where uh, the cavalry is running from one side into uh, spears, but like, let's improve on what they did in Braveheart and, and inside the corners of all of our daydreams. George finally found it. He put it together. The spear that's at the knee level, then at the shoulder level, or I can't remember what the levels were, but the way he described it was perfect.
0: It's kind of interesting though, because Barrison One is this build up to a battle that we've pretty much been <laughs> we've been knowing is coming, um, and then we get the beginnings of this battle essentially through a summary. And so it feels like when you're reading them, and you can read the summary and all the places where you can find it. Where do we get everything? Where the, uh, Google. Yeah, Google.
1: <laughs> Great, talking thank about, you. and uh, politics of Ice and <laughs> yeah. Fire? Yes. The ultimate Winds of Winter resource that yeah, our buddy Jeff's was, put together.
0: That's what I was talking about specifically, but Google also works. Mm-hmm. I was saying as you're reading through Barrison 1 of Winds of Winter and we're on the crest of this major battle and then we get to the fan summary, which is very well put together and has a lot of great detail that we otherwise wouldn't have. It's a jarring moment to be thrust into the battle or the beginnings of this battle through an account that isn't totally accurate and that we can only speculate what things do or don't mean um, about these paragraphs. And so it's kind of an interesting experience to have something legit or a seemingly legit, and then have something—not to say it's not legit, but you know what I'm trying to say—something right. that's um, just like a recollection. But
1: it has, like I said, some details, some for sure direct quotes, some stuff that's better stuck job out.
0: than I would have done.
1: Yeah, no, they did a really good job. I don't know if I trust. I think that this just might be an elaborate ruse by George R. R. Martin. So I like there's certain little highlights of quotes from certain places, specifically from it. <laughs>
0: I mean, my real thought is that a fan summary is dumb because it's, like,
1: not real. But it feels so real in, in certain places, very specifically. So how much can we really rely on it is the question. I'm go- That's what I'm, I'm trying to I'm, say. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read that snippet about the Spears.
0: Hold on. Link to fan. Are we still looking for who this is?
1: Is it? I thought that you uh, decided or found that it was... I just trust what you said. I didn't double check (laughs) your accuracy.
0: Oh, I didn't really. I just saw one person say it was multiple people, (laughs) but
1: it's kind of like a circular. It's like all linking to each other.
0: That's what I'm saying. Is like (laughs) I can't really find anything definitive.
1: The choice is yours. Do you believe that that Barristan Two is even close to what actually happens? Then
0: do I think that Barristan Two is us going into battle? Yeah. Do I think we can put any weight onto specifics? No. I think there's a couple highlights, like high points that we can put in here, like great joys coming at the end, the fact that the battle is happening, but I don't like who's to say.
1: I love the detail also about thinking lowly of the second sons after he had witnessed the storm crows riding into battle and cheering for Dario and having that kind of like geeky thing to say about storm crows fly and he thought that he would never again doubt the valor of sellswords. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a fine little detail that set up the uh the gray joys arriving and just added another layer of of sort of being relieved and another last minute sort of turn of the the mind away from a potential victory to make it feel a little bit more twisted and then to to find that the Second Sons were actually being at some, 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 at some level valorous and they were not only engaged and that's why they couldn't arrive or they didn't arrive to help it until that point but they're wrapped up with Victorian Greyjoy and his dudes on the shore which is so much more meaningful and storied than we could have imagined if it would have been a normal conflict. It's just raised a, a level and I liked that the the person that either made that up or the person that was transcribing <laughs> transcribing they it made it up from the fan reading or from the reading that George did at Boscone um it really moved them enough to transcribe it so well. This collection I'm guessing was a collection of um uh, different notes from different people because we're we're seeing on on one post on Reddit it links to another post on a a different board I forget the the name. I think it's just a a form of ice and fire and it's to a person that was also at the con that said uh a lot more stuff about it and had a lot more mm-hmm. details. But like I said, this it stood out to them enough to be moved by it to remember in such beautiful details. Or they really wanted to make a lot of people believe something. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I feel like that's kind of messed up. I just like I think if I think the idea of a fan summary, and I know we're talking about it on the podcast, but there's just like a sense of there's just a sense of anticlimacticness. It almost the fan summary almost feels like spoilers to me, where the sample chapters don't feel like spoilers to me. If that makes
1: sense. Yeah, it's because you don't earn it, right? You're not actually in his mind and going from moment to moment. It just kind of feels like it's the highlights. And then a couple sentences, like I said, those things that I pointed out, it wasn't because I was really engaged deeply with the text and it pulled out these excellent points. It's because there was a, only a few direct quotes like that with that were brought up within itself, like self-references to its own summary. So like that that sort of thing was obvious. But that's what George R. R. Martin gardens within all of his books is deep level of intricacy, just thinking about what's happening in Marine in general, when you, th- when, when he's setting up at the beginning of this, the first chapter, Barristan one, when he's showing who's on the side of the, fu- or who's on our side of the fight, where they're situated, when he's talking about the trebuchets that are surrounding Marine, and he's talking about uh the locations of the, the extra Kiskari legions being on the other side of the Skahazadon. Like we're getting this, this layout and, uh, info dump of the situation. He's given us the chessboard to look over and reflect on and to feel as far as we'd like to feel the, the contextual weight of all the emotion that all of this complexity has gathered in this place. But on top of that are all of the weird stories of all the people that are in the actual story themselves. That's complicated and mathematically set up to be in some way. Pleasing or displeasing, sad or really cool. There's a mix of it, a good mix of it right now. Marine post-apocalyptic, kind of scary, but he's just out here living hard. (laughs) (laughs) Barristan (laughs) is. Oh yeah,
0: this is Barristan Selmy. He is not a politician. He's not like Barristan lives to fight. This is his A game. This is his time. I'm excited for him because I feel like this is what he truly thrives at. And so I feel like throughout everything that he's been through in Marine, especially recently with Danny being gone and it's just him trying to navigate through the politics and him trying to figure out what the best move is, whether they should attack or keep letting these dead men with disease come into their city gates and Those are problems that I don't think he necessarily feels like he's equipped to deal with. But, you know, he is equipped to deal with is to be the first one riding out there ready to fight. That's his. You can see so clearly in all of his hype speeches and in his thought process. That's just where he shines. So I'm really happy for the guy, even if he's making some weird decisions. I feel like he uh, he's in his element finally. But it's I mean, it it's a complicated battle like there's so many different groups of people and so many different layers of politics and folks coming together that I feel like this whole chapter to me from my perspective is trying to set up this idea that this battle is going to be very confusing and not just from a perspective of us as a reader with so many different Potential things happening, but from the folks who are involved with the horns with the horns coming from many different sides with the like Victorion joining the fray with all these different groups that are coming together to fight for different reasons. you hear everybody yelling different names throughout this praying to different gods, the un there's no real unified cause necessarily. and so I think that we're just getting set up. To be thrust into a very messy, complicated battle that probably isn't going to be so great for our man, Barristan Selmy.
1: It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? This chapter is just so perfect. And knowing that it was released in the dance paperback as well. It's just George is such a, a tease. He's like, by the way, there's this perfect chapter of Barristan Selmy. I've had all these chapters him prior. They were never actual POV chapters, but this one is called, you guessed it, Barristan One. And he's basically sharpening his sword on a hillside this whole time, just reflecting on life and and uh, weighing all the things that he's learned and uh, all the potential possibilities of his present. And I don't know. It's kind of sad that it's come to this with a lot of decisions he's made. If there's still a little bit of that Westerosi storied swagger within him, but I feel like everyone at this point now, it being in the winds of winter has, has everyone in the story has been brought so low that even someone as high as, uh, as high in our minds, uh, in honor and in respect. And just in this weird lofty way, we like to put the, the older, more wizened members of stories that we like into a certain tier. Even he is just sort of brought low and kind of normal, but he's still in this enameled armor and he's wearing this silken cloak and he's surrounded by people that he's trained to sort of Covenants. have the same, uh, arraignment of, a of, a the way a knight of his level would move about places. He's still got his lads as he calls it. And, um, He's still got people that are members of other groups that are leaders that hang out with him and justify him being a leader because of it, because they represent other groups and they're like, Well, I'm the top guy in that group, and you're the top guy in this group. And with all the different power like the at the end of the of the dance with dragons, all the different ways that ways that the power has moved based on deception, but also mainly hinging around Daenerys Targaryen not being there and then the dragons being freed and then everyone being pissed off. This is just like hell in the handbasket. And then when people say Mirren is not, I think, a, 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 there's probably two groups of people folks who have read the sample chapters and those who haven't because I'm sure that after you've read a snippet of Barristan 1 and especially after reading the recounting of, of 2 and getting further into the ones that we haven't gotten into that are released the Tyrion ones yet you'll know that this is this is it. That's that's the representation of it because there's literal bodies falling from the sky now there's fire uh, where the harpy was It's uh, there's people that Tyrion's out here and Jorah is here and bodies are exploding, like I said, flying through the sky. I mean, this is this is the moment.
0: Yeah. And I feel like what what happens in Marine after this and what happens to people like Barriston and Victarion, I feel like so much hinges on this and politically where we go from here, politically who comes out on top, whether Daenerys even ever comes back here what this means for then the eventual march onto Westeros. It's, it's We're in an interesting position that I feel like we're kind of coming to the end of this knot, but there's still a lot of confusion based off of all the different potential outcomes of this battle. And I, I feel like the way Barristan is talking and just his nature of... Who he is and kind of what he would, how he'd want to go out into the world and us knowing that he's not going to make it to the end of the series, that this is one of his last major efforts. And so I feel like it can't necessarily be a good thing for, quote unquote, our side going into the situation here. So I'm curious to see, I mean, how we bad don't it have gets. too much. Yeah, we, exactly. And we don't have a lot of information. And for who? From Barristan too, but I just think the thing that I keep thinking about is just the fact that Barristan is setting up this idea that everybody is going to know when to retreat, when to move forward, different battle tactics based off of horns blowing, and he gives the horns to this guy who it's Barristan at least describes. Kind of a
1: plan, though, right? Sorry to interrupt. It's at least kind of a plan.
0: It's kind of a plan, but I mean, you think about it; like he gives. Horn to this, what's his name? Red. The Red Lamb. Red Lamb, who Barrison doesn't really think very highly of. And so that's an interesting move in my mind. I just picture noise and not people not knowing where direction is coming from. And then there's no real plan. If Bereson goes down, then who's in charge after he's staged this coup? Who picks up? after whatever ends up happening from this battle, you know, I feel like it's kind of an interesting and. Bearson says somewhere at the beginning of this chapter where he talks about, I'm trying to find it, how he's not really confident about <laughs> anything that's going on right now, but he's leaning on, on the things that he
1: knows about and that he feels exactly. strongly in. And he exactly. has, like you said before, he has one of the most beautiful Epic speeches in the series where he, he, Knocks on most of the things that you might be thinking of, and he goes into places, and George goes into places that are kind of meta, talking about uh, surviving the battlefield and uh, it's outside. Of, he does. He he talks about more than than just surviving the battlefield. He talks about being a knight and being a person and uh, being alive at strange times when you're asked to do crazy stuff. And he gives you just the base advice, the base advice on how to get through it. And it's so. Uh, romantic how it, it kind of blends in with the feelings uh, that are mostly related to the seven gods that are or the seven ideas that are broken into seven gods it's kind of sweet how that all worked out
0: don't you think it's interesting because i think he is really relying heavily on his own like westerosi background but and correct me if i'm wrong aren't most of the people that he's preaching to? Isn't that a foreign concept? Oh, yeah.
1: These are all like you said, this is just confusion. And this goes back to uh, just the overall idea of like uh, a lot of things could happen and a lot of people are just kind of banking on something happening. And so here we go. And so that's the deal he's uh, it's it's kind of a lot of this is just sort of ironic the way that this is sort of the Barristan the faded Barristan chapter if he is riding into the sunset the way that it would be happening in Marine, with the bodies flying through the sky and exploding and him leaving town and not fighting in the way that he would have actually planned at all and not riding in with people that he knows or people that he necessarily respects at all or that necessarily respect each other when he's talking to uh, the widower and they're referencing rescuing Dario it's like eh, I don't really think that there needs to be much of a plan when it comes to Dario because it's just so funny because he's literally riding into battle with these guys and we know who Barristan is and this may seem like an obvious point but it's there for a reason just as a last minute reminder it all sort of is there for a reason as a last minute reminder it's like reality itself staring back at Barristan and in a fashion that makes us love him and has made us always love him we haven't got to see his whole life he takes it like such a man just takes it in stride it's like all right well here we go and a part of that is also and i'm gonna admit this for everyone is being a complete idiot he also does that pretty well and he looks pretty good while he's doing it
0: (laughs) yeah he definitely
1: does (laughs) it's so funny and everyone's listening he's he's having a speech in front of thousands of people that are watching and uh, everyone's using this momentum. It's like uh, they know that something's about to happen. The knot's about to, it's about to just be pulled so hard that it explodes. I don't even know if that could happen with the right kind of rope, but here it is. Everyone's just sort of running against the door especially the pit fighters, just yelling. They're literally living out their best lives in a way that (laughs) is, it's a culmination. If this scene, if this, the battle of fire here was approached correctly, it would be one of the most hilarious, but also cool, action-packed, fun things to watch. So many crazy moments with these pit fighters who do ridiculous stuff. And uh, there's also moments of really genuine emotion that have the potential to come through within all of this. Because even though it's kind of silly, this is where Barristan is at the end of the day. And that is kind of crazy. But
0: This is a hole he's dug for himself.
1: He followed the Dragon Queen. She had dragons, okay? Can you blame him? (laughs) No. (laughs) If she ever comes back. (laughs) <laughs> she had dragons but the second and sample chapter or at least the um uh, the fan summary begins with his gut feels twisted from nervousness as he rides through the gates. He knows that the feeling will go away when time slows down in the chaos of battle.
0: I feel like his. I feel like those lines make his hype speeches throughout Barrison 1 more of a self-pump-up jam session instead of him necessarily trying to rally the folks with them. He's just trying to talk himself up. That's all he can do. That's
1: got to be what every real speech kind of is in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can't all be as real and as pure as like a, a force of reckoning and nature as Aragorn, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just so human of him to do in that way. I think so. And even talking about the way that the battlefield smelled like shit, maybe that he's that's a personal thing that he was self-conscious about of shitting himself or pissing himself in his first fight. And he's like, by the way, don't even worry about that. You're going to need to not worry about that.
0: It happens to the best of us. Uh, it, it,
1: it, It seems kind of like unnecessary to mention, though, because they have bodies that are that are assailing them from the sky. Which is such a cold move by the young guy. Well,
0: it's smart because.
1: Friendly forces. Cold move, guys.
0: It's smart because I feel like it's one of those, it's a mental thing, if nothing else. Because we're reading about how they're not really getting that far into the city and they've got the pale mayor.
1: Yeah. Which is a kind of viral infection, it seems. Right. So. Some kind of sickness.
0: Is that something that can be spread? through them being close to the body they probably don't know specifically back in whatever era we're meant to believe everyone thinks that's how it's
1: spread though that's what they think they think think. they're scared of it just being outside of the gates but now it's literally flying through the sky and exploding with worms and maggots all among not only the the people but the fighting men as well
0: well it's and i was saying it's i feel like more than anything more than it being uh health crisis it's a mental crisis because you're sitting there and you feel secure and you've got the upper hand really he Barrison says some moment here which i'm trying to find about he's uh so he said he might have held marine for years against the inkai but he cannot hold it for even a moon's turn with the pale mare galloping through its streets that they i mean they had the upper hand they kind of starved them out essentially but the mental drain of this disease being flung into your city gates no matter how infectious no matter how far into the city it gets that's something that is going to force your hand into action because oh yeah who has the patience to figure those figure out how to take care of those things especially somebody like Barrison, who as you were saying earlier his gut reaction and the way he's going to handle situations is going to be the only way he knows how, which is I to fight. I think you said that
1: earlier, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm
0: so smart. <laughs>
1: yeah. okay. You're right, though. <laughs> I do remember. He, he's not suited to do it. I think Tyrion is, in a degree. It's funny because he's dealing with the sickness in the same way. And I remember him having thoughts specifically about, like... The, the, he's seeing it like, you know, all of you people are just sort of running around and yelling about... Bloody flux, this pale mare that. What's going on with all of you? Like, are we cleaning ourselves? What, what's the standard here? Are you wearing the same clothes over and over? Are you shitting, you know, five feet away from the tent opening? What's happening here? Embarrassing, like you said, is, uh, He's like, well, you know, they've started doing this, so I think it's time to go fight. Right. But he's also dealing with the momentum, not only of all the potential sickness that's going to overrun the city from the inside. When you think about it, the the imagery of bodies exploding over the wall and you're like, OK, well, this is how it spreads for sure now, because it's kind of they're shooting them over the walls and they're blowing up. So. Uh, maybe if just the bodies fell and didn't blow up, it'd be like, all right, we'll throw those bodies in the pile and light those bodies on fire. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're exploding into pieces. There's hands and pieces of someone's head flying in like your little kid's window upstairs. They're gonna get the bloody. Fl- they're gonna get the pale mare first. It's literally galloping, galloping through the streets at full speed. Not to mention all those weird people. You've got the shave pates. You've got Resneck and more Resnick, Who's like, hey, listen, I've got lots of ideas about how to run the city from the inside. Don't forget me. Don't forget a dance with dragons. Barristan is not about it. He knows that. That seems like all the momentum has shifted to this fight moving and that he can tip the scales if he'd like and uh, I think he does mm-hmm. because uh, I think the little plan that, that they had that that pressure of the bodies worked like you said it's just uh, they, they found a way to draw him and his men and their allies out into the field which changes considerably where things were before especially for all of them being completely under the rule and under the dominion of Daenerys whenever she swept through and now she's not there. Now all hell can break loose. And yeah, everyone's just this. Yeah, and everyone's just trying to see what happens, like who explodes on the other side of the door and survives. Right.
0: I really like this paragraph, uh it goes, Too many foes, Cerberus and Verrude, their numbers must surely tell against us. This attack went against all of the old knight's instincts. Marine's walls were thick and strong. Inside those walls, the defenders enjoyed every advantage. Yet he had no choice but to lead his men into the teeth of the Yankish, Yankish seed line, siege lines uh, against foes of every... <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> against foes of vastly greater strength. anyway. Everything we've been saying, I just think it's interesting that while he does have a choice, he sees this as his hand being forced, and uh, now he comes forward with this.
1: <laughs> it's the same way he was with the horse too. <laughs> what do you mean with Danny's horse? And that yeah. there was that beautiful paragraph of uh, of him being sort of a, not not adorned. He'd already been adorned, but it was sort of describing. If, if this is all a last look, and I don't think it is, I hope it's not. I hope things shift around a little bit. But it's just the the the, the regalia, the Barrison regalia, and among that was I'm riding upon Danny Silver, and uh, the reason it made sense was to you know inspire, right? Uh, inspire the men, and also this horse also is really you know there's dragons around. It's used to dragons, so that works as well.
0: Does that mean that he thinks that dragons are going to come?
1: I think that it means that he's surely out here. That he's on the horse. <laughs> Definition of am, out here. <laughs> I am. I've got big Mace Tyrell energy right now. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And all my boys are here
0: riding up the steps.
1: The, their, their names are Widow, the yeah. widower, Jokin, Gray Worm, Gray Worm's men. I think one's called dog meat or dog face. Something like that. <laughs> dog fighter. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Barrison is living life right now, guys.
0: But even so in that paragraph about the silver mare. <laughs> even he knows he's being presumptuous, which is kind of interesting.
1: Oh, about the pale mare, the sickness going yeah. through town.
0: No, no, no. So he's talking about how he's how he's riding Danny's silver mare. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. And he's
0: like, yeah, I know this is presumptuous, but
1: but I mean, you know, he's like Danny's you gotta, you not gotta even gotta here, do. and this might be the last fight. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have all these weird hangups that would have brought me down before being held accountable for my actions. This will be a dragon dawn. But he thinks that there's a choice, or sorry, a chance rather. When he's praying and he, he prays and he asks the stranger for mercy for this fight, that was that was real. It was kind as real an as his speech. Choice. Why do you think so?
0: I don't know. Isn't the stranger like not the best? I feel like of all the people you could pray to, and I know that he prays to lots of other people, the stranger is not necessarily the first person I'd be like, "Help me out." But
1: no, that's a, that's a good point. I think that he asks he asks the father for strength and the mother for mercy.
0: Classic. I'm trying to find the paragraph. Yeah, the warrior for strength, the mother for mercy, the father to watch over his lads.
1: My lads.
0: Finally, he bowed his head to the stranger. You come for all men. In the end, he had prayed. But if it please you, spare me and mine today, and gather up the spirits of our foes instead.
1: I saw it as a plea to the the void, the potentiality of uh, the universe. The stranger's like that weird other. It's mm-hmm. like, what's going to happen? And he's like, just today. Stranger, if you could, I'm giving you the attention before it's time to go into things just for for today. Maybe, covering all my bases. Yeah, tip things in the favor of all my guys, even though I don't know them that well. This is a crazy place that we are, and it doesn't really seem like this is the hill that we should all die on. And that's the, the spirit I feel from his uh, the end of the Barristan 2 fan summary when he's shouting like a crazy person about Baylor Breakspear. It's like Baylor Breakspear and Prince Makar, the hammer and the anvil. We have them. We have them. It's like, thank God it worked out this way. Thank God that the Greyjoys have arrived. Hopefully there's some really good reason why they're fighting for us. But right now it
0: doesn't matter. It doesn't
1: really matter. Yeah.
0: Take anything they can get.
1: Take anything they can get. So right now we have Victorian Greyjoy and his boys recently acquired a red priest, recently acquired a upgraded hand. My, my guy, honestly, out of all guys to have right now, I'm, I'm feeling big Vic energy (laughs) in a real way. My guy is in the Barristan two. He shows up when we need him the most in the Barristan two fan summary, not, not the full sample chapter. So I can't get fully excited yet, but when I learned that this is how shit was going down, this is the kind of stuff that sparks conversations between people that last off seasons or the gaps between books. And high five to George R. R. Martin for giving us Barristan one, but also to just to be a little bit vague and just general, Barristan two, but specifically because of that. Because of that, that is
0: what do you think? Too good. So. Broad winds of winter question. There are but what, our happens, side. what happens? Right. What like what's the outcome, broad strokes, of this battle and Victorion's involvement in it? What does he want?
1: I think that he's been sent there and he, what he wants is to be as useful as possible while also being as dangerous as possible but he's under the thumb of his brother unfortunately so he's been sent there maybe with his own horn maybe he's gonna bind a dragon and take a dragon home for the great joys or at least bag one while he's there or more than one i don't know how they work exactly maybe it's like a one-use horn
0: better make it right the first time then
1: Or it could be just one use for the person. Either way, he's now (laughs) rolling in for a uh, or with a a new red priest that's badass, and he's going to be fighting even harder than ever. So when we switch to his perspective, good God, the way that this first Barristan chapter comes in makes me question what chapters surround him and Mm -hmm. what the moment, what the momentum must be like in the Winds of Winter to get that. I just love the first, the first stream of paragraphs. I just don't think. It's matched by most, uh, by most, uh, chapters in these books. It's just like he was waiting for it and he really nailed it. And I bet, I bet that the fight will be better. I bet the fight is going to be better than, like, people love to talk about Blackwater. And I'm sure that when we see what happens with the Battle of Ice, that it's going to be just as cool. But the stuff with Barrison, if it's any kind of indicator of what the fight's going to be like. And uh, the little, uh, the scaly sort of uh, just highly decorated people that were surrounding the guy and, uh Barrison too. I forget the dude's name. Hmm. The little pigeon. When he was begging for mercy. The guy who had the uh, slaves that were herons. Here it is. They're herons on freakishly tall stilts, wearing pink scales and feathers and steel beaks. Barrison sees that they will be blind because of the dawn rising of the city and like to break ranks easily, so Barrison turns away from the legion, guarding the trebuchet at the last minute and heads for the herons. In this chapter summary, there is a lot of strategy that is put in, but I think uh, I want to wait for the official summary to tether my emotions too much to what Barrison's decisions are in the battle, you know? I agree. I agree. But the, the imagery that I'm getting right now from those weird creatures and it's just like this, this fight's going to be the one man. I think it's gonna be awesome.
0: You mentioned Blackwater, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because there is talk and comparison between Blackwater and this battle specifically and I think that you can draw lots of comparison from like my own personal view Uh, lots of comparison to lots of different battles Um, but there are some similarities between the two and so whatever conclusions we can whatever we can conclusions we can draw from that and whoever we're going to put on each side I guess can give us some sort of insight on what we think the outcome of a battle like this is going to be. But I just think it's interesting that like the trebuchets are named after ships in the battle of Blackwater, which is like
1: <laughs> <laughs> George taking another level, that symmetry and that parallel thinking up another or level. Like
0: he's just a guy that, and there's only so many ship names out there, you know? I, I don't know. Could you imagine
1: if that, that was the case? If there was all of this? I this... secretly
0: hope it is.
1: Here's the thing, George, if you're listening. We need, we all need a daddy. We all need someone. <laughs> we all need someone that knows what's going on. And right now we're all holding on to hope that you've got something in this story that we just haven't heard of yet and uh this is this is a good time to break something like that out is all i'm saying
0: yeah i mean yeah now's the time but i just think it's interesting that we've got such a turning point that can be compared to another major turning point in our hearts and in the books
1: it's good homework i think I think that there's an obvious correlation between the two moments and there's similar people involved. Sometimes it's a little bit more than similar. Sometimes it's actual, but either way, (laughs) it's like we come back to the same problems. And, uh, it's funny how the different circumstances that we've gone through leading us ultimately to the people that we are when we're put in this situations, uh, in real life, It ends up being the reason why things going one way or the other. And so George, as a writer, his challenge is to build a scenario in which that is happening in his book. And it's definitely happening here on a lot of different levels. And it's satisfying how much it all crosses over.
0: I agree. Even if I make fun of it.
1: What what, what were you making fun of?
0: The fact that there are similarities that I think are silly. (laughs) (laughs)
1: the names it's it is kind of a heavy thing but people like that stuff i think i'm happy for everybody i think people like that stuff
0: i'm just kind of like annoying but here's my thing my question for both of us to answer Mm -hmm. on the spot barriston making it out dead or alive because he's gonna he's gonna go eventually and I think that no matter what happens book-wise, it's going to be way more satisfying than it was in the TV show. I feel like he, Barrison, as well as people who really got done dirty by them in the way that his story kind of came to a really abrupt end. And so, you know, I think you were talking about this earlier, but is this his moment or does he still have time?
1: I'd like to see Barrison unfortunately be put in even, even more uncomfortable situations. If we're really going to bring humanity as low as low, maybe have Barristan go back to Westeros and be involved in some stuff that makes us respect him much less, which is sad to say, but is it really? better than dying? Ooh, what an emotional twist, George. Is it better? Should he have just died in Marine? Oh. Find out in the Dream of Spring.
0: I just kind of like this idea of him sacrificing himself. When Daenerys isn't there,
1: just for the story of it, just it's like because
0: it's it's a bittersweet kind of thing, you know. There's he's stretched so far and so such a roller coaster to get here, in every sense of the term, and then he ends up as they're so close to eventually heading back to Westeros. We assume doesn't isn't able to see it through i think it's like a, bu- a bittersweet kind of situation
1: does it depend on him giving up or not is it de- does he lose the positivity where he has the the thirst the hunger to keep going I don't and think that's, he's ever- and that, and that's why he fails or is he taken out by some random power that is it's unfortunately happened to him
0: i think it just gets out of his hands I think it's just, I think that as we've been talking about the chaos that this battle will potentially bring, things just get out of his, his hand and he is put into situations that he typically wouldn't be put into and it doesn't bode well for him.
1: There's a moment in the fan summary where the red lamb says, I came for blood, not gold in response to the little pigeon begging for mercy. He knocks in the little pigeon's head with the his mace, mm-hmm. which for people who don't go to museums and look at the arms and armory section or Google what maces are, it's like a club with uh, just a a complicated, it's like instead of a solid head, it's a head that has a bunch of weird gnarled ends and bits and bobs. And so it's just a really heavy thing that's meant to just destroy shit when it runs into it. Which is a funny just thing if you think about someone making. Like, uh, what what are we what are we using to fight people with? Like, well we have swords that cut people, or we have this club that is really heavy and it'll just just break shit open. What do you think about that? The red lamb's like, that's the tool for me. He uh he hits in the little pigeon's head with his mace, splattering blood all over Barrison and Danny's silver horse. How's that for a visual?
0: Barrison's crisp white and gold get up
1: just splashed starkly and the horse as well
0: it's gonna be a mess
1: I wonder what the Greyjoys are gonna do
0: (laughs) like what Victarion's vibe is like how is this battle gonna go for him
1: he's a religious man and he's quite the the one for for tall speech and he doesn't like to feel stupid (laughs) that's for sure god (laughs) He better hope that everyone dies in the fight, basically, because there's so many different kinds of people in Marine.
0: I feel like it's a win-win for him, though.
1: Because he's, well, because he's helped out, they're going to be his friend no matter what.
0: Exactly. Like, they're, he's really rolling in at the perfect time.
1: Thank <laughs> God.
0: It could not be more perfect for him.
1: I know, but it's, if only their voyage had been smooth sailing, if they had been broken up by the storm and all that shit, then I feel like maybe we would be getting a different Victorian Greyjoy, but he's coming with a new red priest, his like, strangely healed hand that's like a a weird... And I was going to say it's strange Peter Pettigrew vibes, but it's like the opposite. He's not a scared guy. He just has a really strong hand and he really, I assume, will want to use it. So I can't wait to get a paragraph of description that describes, I can't wait to get a paragraph of description that involves him and a hand axe and swinging faster and harder and stronger than ever.
0: Coming in to save the day.
1: Yeah, but he's not even going to be saving the day, is the thing. Meanwhile, Barrison is yelling. To and he is gleefully. Yeah, we have them. We have them. <laughs> They're on our side. To
0: Barrison, he's going to save the day.
1: God, it's so sweet how their reasons differ so much, and how they all splash together. Sweet. Yeah, it is. It's the the heart of the story. You know the reason why it's so interesting to us. When I think about the. The weird things that Victorian Greyjoy thinks about before he lands and does this versus what we know Barristan was thinking about what he was dealing with. And I presume that they may be face to face with one another if Barristan doesn't fall in an unfortunate way in this fight.
0: Well, that's the whole and it's such a cliche thing to say. But as the story finally, eventually, slowly but surely starts to compact a little bit and all these different people and issues and storylines are finally converging in these major battles that are happening all across Westeros. It's thrilling.
1: It is. I really think that Winds of Winter is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be a lot of people's favorite, even though I know we've had years to gain these strange allegiances to the uh, available five.
0: I hope so. I think, I mean, George R. R. Martin's writing style continues to get better. And better. I feel like the deeper that we get into not only these sample chapters, but just as we've gone through our, our reading order, I feel like he is much more polished and profound. And that's an exciting prospect to me. I think that's something that can only help or only continue to to get better as we meld some of these sometimes overly complicated storylines into something seamless.
1: I have a lot more hope after reading this.
0: Well, and especially, I think, especially, especially in, and not to keep like harkening back to the TV show, but you can't help it in the wake of the last season. Here we are with these characters that either one, weren't represented at all, or two, weren't really given any sort of justice or real weight to them and to see how i'm like let's see the weight of this battle with folks that were absent from the tv show for the most part you know it's exciting it's like a i mean that's why we're doing the sample chapters because like (laughs) we want to like that's exactly why like those conversations are brought about us diving into these instead because it's just like anxious for the reality
1: I just don't know why we didn't have this kind of Marine for the longest time. It just feels like uh, he just really brought the flavor of his his state of mind and his point of view chapter. And of course, it makes so much sense because he's a a different person in those other stories, just like our other character. Just like when Arianne is in Dorne, it's different than like we discussed in these first Winds of Winter Sample chapters with Arianne 1 and 2. That's a different person that we met. And she's doing a whole new thing, and it's the same with with Barry here. He, the Queen's hand, where he was making some pretty serious decisions, was the last time that we were with Barrison, and now we're with him in at his the own of title battle. chapter. This is where we wanted to be with him, basically, since we met him, and now we have it. And I feel like, mathematically speaking, this chapter touched on so many things that we were wanting to be resolved, that we wanted to check back on and hear about. And he did it consistently in a, in a Barristan sell me way. And a lot of those issues I didn't know that I wanted to see through his point of view. And I really liked.
0: And it's his own dang chapter. Nobody else <laughs> is in the title.
1: So, owns of the chapters.
0: I'm trying to think about... I don't know if I have an own for Barristan, too.
1: I'm going to do it.
0: Also, when Winds of Winter comes out, we're going to be giving different owns for the same chapters. That's true. Crazy.
1: I think that's okay. I mean, I just say bring bring it on. I think it's I think okay the more, too. The it's more just the kind barrier. of funny. You go first. Ladies first. I want to be nice.
0: Oh, so sweet of you.
1: Oh, thank um, you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give my own to this moment that is in the middle of his speech near the end of the chapter when he says, "Some men some men die in every battle. More survive." East or west, in every inn and wine sink, you will find graybeards endlessly refighting the wars of their youth. They survive their battles, so may you. This you can be certain of: the foe you see before you is just another man, and like as not, or and and like as not, he is frightened as you. Hate him if you must, love him if you can, but lift your sword and bring it down. Then ride on. Above all else, keep moving. Yeah. this is getting me amped.
1: I mean, there it is. That's some ultimate advice right there.
0: I'm not giving my own to Barrison too because I don't think it counts.
1: <laughs> okay. That's fair. That was a good own for your first one. I feel like we can't go through this episode without reading his whole speech. But I, know. <laughs> I need you all that are listening to just go read it. It was that good. For Barrison one, my own, is to this paragraph or it might have been two but it pasted from my book as one paragraph i was really struck by emotion when i read it and i immediately was like and i haven't felt that way in a long time i was immediately like this is my own okay sir barristan turned in the saddle cat Gogor, cameron your men will follow afoot. you are known as fearsome fighters frighten them i can't read this the way that he's <laughs> saying it i would feel very silly but also reading it sounds very frighten them you are known as fearsome fighters Frighten them. Scream and shout. By the time you reach the Yunkish lines, our horsemen should have broken through. Follow them into the breach and do as much slaughter as you can. Where you can, spare the slaves and cut down their masters, the noblemen and officers. Fall back before you are surrounded. Gogor smashed a fist against his chest. Gogor, not fall back. Never. (laughs) It's just like, oh yeah. Deliver me those moments in in a tightly well-decorated package or in a loose one. I pretty much will take them in all shapes and sizes.
0: I feel like I just wish that we could see him give a speech like this on screen.
1: Uh, Yeah, that would have been pretty cool actually. Damn.
0: But you can't have everything.
1: That would have been a different kind of thing for people. They would have liked it for different reasons. It's sort of how the... The King of the North moments are uh, kind of a a heartbeat razor for a second for people. If they would have went down an unexpected path where you're like, I I didn't know this was going to happen. And the music wasn't cheesy and the camera angles that were, uh, you know, creative, but not too creative, like not too low. And uh, they were kind of patient and they had, uh, which I mean, like not switching to a bunch of different angles and they had... Barrison Selmy delivering this speech or a speech like it, that would have been cool for other reasons. That would have been like a different kind of cool in Game of Thrones. Yeah, it it. would have
0: been legit, but it's okay. Like I said, you can't have everything. But we can whine about it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And my second own, because why not? I'm not afraid. The Red Lamb's voice was loud, almost to the point of shouting, should I die, I will go before the Great Shepherd of Lazar, break his... Break his crook across my knee and say to him. Let me try it again. Should I die, I will go before the great shepherd of Lazar. Break his crook across my knee and say to him, why did you make your people lambs when the world is full of wolves? Then I will spit into his eye. Sir Barrison smiled. Well said, but take care. You do not seek death out there or you will surely find it. The stranger comes for all of us, but we need not rush into his arms. At first, I was just collecting that first part that the Red Lamb was saying about the Shepherd of Lazar, I was like, what a haughty way to carry about your life before running into sure mortal peril. The moments of bravery are going to have to be outstanding after the moment you guys run in. You're going to be stuck in it until the fight is over, or you'll be dead! And he's like, I would spit in that guy's eye.
0: But don't run too quickly into the arms of the stranger.
1: Exactly. And then this this other piece of wisdom to come after. I thought that the the confidence and I was just interested by this guy's fire. And then here comes Barristan to temper it, and it was just well, well done.
0: You should keep reading stuff. This own. o- <laughs> these owns brought
1: to you by marijuana. <laughs> 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 I don't know what to say. It's okay.
0: I'm also distracted because I forgot to gather owns. Really? Yeah, but I'm there. I got them now.
1: Roger that. All right. <laughs> so you mind sending I'm them sorry. to me?
0: I just sent them to you. Thank
1: you. Where'd you send them?
0: To both emails that you own.
1: Oh, that's good. Got him. Those were our owns. I wish Hannah would have given an own for the uh, embarrassing two excerpt or sorry, fan summary, like, but. I know that. I don't
0: think. Yeah, it doesn't. She'll be there
1: in the future, right? You got us in the future.
0: I just feel like. I just feel like it doesn't count. Is that? Am I copping out? I don't know. I don't want to do it.
1: I don't think that's a cop out. That's fine. I think you're entitled to your opinion. Thank you. Isn't that what a crazy take I just had?
0: (laughs) About I'm entitled to my own opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, yeah.
1: All right, everyone. We asked. You delivered. Time for owns. From Ben Smith at Sir Benjamin on Twitter. Barry one owned to sell me for remembering what the white bull, which is Gerald Hightower, would have said and for attacking anyway. And Barry two owned to the Ironborn for showing the F up. Oh, an honorable mention to sell me for the Blackfire Rebellion reference, Balor and Makar, there at the end.
0: At Brendan B. Fish, the one and only. Quotes. It's like Barlow, Breakspear and Prince are the hammer and the anvil. We Barlow. have them.
1: Wait, did I say it wrong? No, I think that you copied it right but it says Barlow. of oh, yeah. Baylor. I <laughs> like that. It's like a, the wire, sword of ice and fire.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. Crossover. Okay, let me start over. Baylor. Got it. I knew that. Anyway.
1: You gotta say it how it's written. I love Barlow.
0: <laughs> I know. Putting Jeff on blast. <laughs> <laughs> Next from at Brendan B. Fish, it's like Baylor Breakspear and Prince maker the hammer and the anvil. We have them. We have them.
1: From Meyer 27, I got to reread it and get back to you.
0: <laughs> Which I just thought was fair funny. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, no, fair enough.
0: I know you retweeted it, but I LOL'd.
1: No, it's good. Fair enough.
0: Um, Caitlin Hess says, my son's middle name is Barriston. The show did not do him justice, so it's kind of a bummer now. <laughs> the show did not do him justice, but this this chapter gives us hope again. That is
1: an awesome middle name, by the way.
0: And last but not least.
1: From Wow Pomplona. Even now. Ooh, let's try this again. This one deserves a, a real shot. At, even now I could cut through the five of you like carving a cake.
0: <laughs> All night.
1: <laughs> not my best person, but I'll be here. Until uh, the end of the books, so I'm probably you'll probably get another shot at that. I'll be old and bold, but please, George, give me your best. Selmy's faith,
0: and that's it. If you want to send that's in it. your own, those are your owns. If you want to send in your owns for Barrison one or two, or if you want to send in your owns for any of the other sample chapters, you can find us on Twitter at Game of Owns, or on Facebook, or on Instagram at Game of
1: Owns. That's right. You can also send us an email to contact at gameofones.com. I'm excited to get into all this stuff with everyone. I'm excited to be talking about Greyjoy's landing and fighting and killing people.
0: I know. I'm excited to get into some of those other chapters. Next, after this, Ooh, Tyrion is coming up next. Yes. I feel like that's the next in order. So let's do yes. Tyrion next. Tyrion's coming up next. And just stay tuned into our social media, and we'll tweet out when those odes are happening. But Tyrion be coming next.
1: Uh, by the way, I did the math, and we've converted one percent of Game of Owns listeners to the new oh, podcast oh. so far. <laughs> the
0: one, the one percent, <laughs> the
1: elite. So I
0: love being in the one percent.
1: We are on week four of our new podcast called it really makes you think and we're having a really good time and we'd love for you to listen to that show. So check it out. If you haven't checked it out yet and subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify or on YouTube and uh,
0: come hang with us.
1: So got to reread it and then we'll get back to you.
0: We will be back in a couple of weeks. And we'll be talking about the next sample chapters of Winds of Winter. We'll be getting into Tyrion.
1: We'll stay on that Winds of Winter grind. So we will see you soon.